0: Welcome everyone here this morning. Am I on? I think so. Good. Welcome everyone that's, that's online and in Golden City. Um, and my, as I'm looking around here this morning, I see a few faces that, that I don't recognize. It's, it's been a while since I've been here, but I'm generally at, at our Golden City campus um, facilitating things over there, you know, when, when you guys are, are here. So uh, just I kind of want to introduce myself. I'm, I'm, I'm not a new guy. I'm just not here on Sundays. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. I just praise you and I thank you, Father, for the anticipation and the excitement in this house today. Father, I just praise you and I thank you, Father, for your presence here. For your Holy Spirit, that's here to to lead us and to guide us, to speak to us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Title of our our message this morning is "After the Resurrection Anticipation." You know, last week was Resurrection Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday, and you know we celebrated Easter Sunday, and between. Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday and and the day of Pentecost there was a lot of stuff going on okay you know i want us to just kind of imagine ourselves in in the disciples shoes after resurrection sunday you know what was what was going through their mind you know what was what was they thinking? You know what were their anticipations, their expectations? You know what was their disappointments? You know I can I can only imagine what was going through through their minds. You know they, you know the week before Resurrection Sunday, they had ushered in Jesus as, as their king, and before the week was over. He had been tried, beaten and crucified, and you know, I would like for us to put ourselves in in the the disciples' shoes. you know what were what were they thinking? What is your expectation today? Is God alive? you know that that was what they were thinking. Is he willing to to show up this morning and be the God that he said he would be? You know the world today is is pushing for a a low commitment relationship. You know this week i I've been uh having some premarital meetings with with a couple here in in the church that's going to be married here in a few weeks uh pretty quick. And, you know, we've gone through 13 chapters of, of being committed to one another. You know, and, and we, we finished last Friday and, and the last chapter in the book is, is your spiritual relationship together, your spiritual walk together. And I told them both if, you know, regardless of all this, this other stuff's important, but if we get this one right, Everything else will line up. You know, if you, if you get your spiritual walk right with God, everything else will come in line. You know, these types of relationships, the low commitment relationships, you know, are kind of designed, to, I guess, to, to lessen the pain of, of disappointment. But along with that, they also lower the expectations of the benefits of the relationship. Low expectations, relation, low expectation relationships lower the, the pain of disappointment, but they also decrease the expectations of the benefits of that relationship. And, you know, that's kind of what I want to talk about here here uh, this morning we're going to look at, at Luke chapter 24 and we're going to read most of the chapter and I'm going to be reading out of the NIV and then we're going to going to look back at, at at what we read and and kind of dig into it and and put our shoe put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples you know what were they thinking you know what was the the situation that they were faced with, and and how did they deal with it? You know, what what did they do? On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices that they had prepared to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they wondered about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood before them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said unto them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of the sinners to be crucified on the third day and then be raised again. And then they remembered those words. Put yourselves in, in Mary Magdalene's shoes here. In verse 9 it says, And when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to, to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed like to them as nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen laying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now that same day, two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And you know, they, obviously they were walking, and, and that's like walking from, from Oakton to, to O'Reilly's in, in Lamar. About seven miles. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened as, And as they was talking and discussing these things, Jesus himself came up and walked with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And he said unto them, what are you discussing together as you walk? And they stood still with their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus says, what things? What things? You know, what's been going on? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of the women amaze us. <laughs> and they went to the tomb early they went to the tomb early this morning, but didn 't find his body and they came and told us uh, that they had seen a vision of angels and and he was and who said he was alive Then some of the our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, they did not see jesus verse twenty five and says He said unto them, How foolish are you, how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and, and enter into his glory? Verse 27, it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going to go further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over, so they went in to stay with them, or so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up, returned to Jerusalem, walked another seven miles back to Jerusalem. Where they found the other eleven and those with them assembled together and said, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Now let, let's go back and, 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 and look at this just, just a little bit. On, on Resurrection Sunday, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of Jesus went to the tomb. And he wasn't there. What was their expectations? They, they, they went there anticipating to find Jesus in the tomb. You know, because they took spices to, to finish, you know, the embalming process, but the stone was rolled away and he wasn't there. The one that they thought was the king of the Jews that had came to deliver them from, from, from Rome, from the oppression and, and everything that was going on at the time was gone. And and they went back and told the the apostles or the disciples, and you know what what did they say? He said, you know, I, I think these women are crazy. You know. They amaze us. You know, what's going on here? And then the two disciples were talking with Jesus for seven miles, and didn't recognize him. You know they were they were going from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which is a seven mile trip, and you know not too far into the journey, Jesus joined alongside of them. You know I don't know whether he come in off of a side road or just appeared. We don't know that, but but you know they were they were saying you know they were talking about what had just happened a week ago, or well it wasn't a week ago it was. You know, a day maybe after Jesus was 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 resurrected, talking about all the things that were going on, you know, how, you know, Jesus, you know, was supposed to be their their Messiah, the king of the Jews. And, and, you know, the scribes, you know, and the Pharisees, you know, turned him over to the Romans and, and, you know, he was killed. And how disappointed would that be? How disappointed would you be if the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was gone? Yeah. They were walking down the road and, and Jesus came up and said, Hey, what you, you know, what are you guys talking about? He said, Well, don't you know? You know, where have you been? You know, what rock did you crawl out from under? Because all this stuff has been going on here the last few days and you don't know you know where you been man and and then Jesus started sharing the words of the gospel about himself and and they they didn't didn't recognize him we we read down through here that that you'll they. He, he began with Moses and went through all the Old Testament about what the Word said about their Messiah. They got to Emmaus. You know, it had been a long, you know, seven-mile walk. You know, it was, it was beginning to get to the end of day. And, and you know, I kind of wonder, you know, we don't know this, but I'm just, this is not in the Bible but I'm thinking maybe they they stopped in at one of their houses you know one of the the disciples houses that were walking to Emmaus and Jesus was going to go on and and they said no we we want you to stay with us you know we want you to come in and and have have dinner with us so he he said okay you know I'll, I'll do that and they sat down at the table now if you know, Sean, if I was going to come to your house and you, you, you invited me and Suzanne to your house, uh, for dinner tonight, you know, I wouldn't probably go to your kitchen and, and fix the dinner and set the table and, and, and serve, serve you and Leslie. You know, I, I kind of think that that'd probably be what you would do, you know, to Suzanne and I. But that's not what happened here. If you look look at this, in in verse thirty, it says that, that he sat down at the table and he took the bread and gave thanks and, and broke it and gave it to them. And when he did that, they realized who he was. And then he disappeared. And they said. Did not our hearts burn on the inside of us while we was, when he was walking with us and talking on the road and opening up the scriptures to us? Their expectation here was in the process of changing. They went from hopelessness and despair. Disappointment and depression to wondering, can this be true? Did Jesus really raise from the dead? Is he really alive? Is he really alive? In verse 34, it says, And when they got up and returned to, at once to Jerusalem, They found the other 11 and those that were assembled with them together and said, It is true. He is alive. He is alive. It is true. They went from being without hope to having an unbridled expectation and and excitement that Jesus really was alive. How did that change come about? You know, you know, I've asked my question, or myself this question, you know, many times. How long have I walked with God before I recognized him in, in this situation that I'm dealing with? You know how many, how long do we have to walk with God before we recognize Him? You know that's that's what the apostle, the the disciples were doing here. They walked with Him seven miles, and He was sharing the word with them, but they didn't they didn't recognize who who He was until they invited Him in. You know that's what we need to do this morning, is to invite Him in. Amen we need to invite Jesus in this morning to break the bread of life with us. God wants to be El Shaddai. That's more than enough. But we have to invite him in. We have to go from being without hope, like they were you know, after the crucifixion, to having an expectation and an excitement that God is about to do something. We have to invite him in every day. It has to be a constant request that we invite Jesus into our situation every day. You know, ten days after Jesus left the earth... That would have been forty days from from the resurrection. There was a hundred and twenty people in an upper room, and in Acts one chapter four, uh, chapter one verse fourteen, it says that they were praying constantly. In verse fifteen, it says that Peter was teaching the word. You know there wasn't any TVs. You know they they shut the TVs off. You know there wasn't any computers. You know, there wasn't any cell phones. There wasn't any iPads. There wasn't any baseball games to go to, or softball games to go to, or track meets to go to. There was no time robbing God to interfere with their time with God. We don't have to wait till we get the church to believe. We ought to be believing before we get to church and come with an expectation of what God is going to do. Amen. Look in Ephesians chapter, chapter one. In Ephesians chapter one, verse 17, this is a prayer that Paul was praying for the church at Ephesus. And, and it, it, it's, it's an awesome prayer. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give it to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called you, the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and the comparably great power for us who believe. Paul here is praying that the incredible great power of God be present in the church, in the believers. And, and here's, here's what that power is. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God hath placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is the body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You know, the power that he has given us, the church, is the same power that he used when he raised Christ from the dead. You remember last week when we, we celebrated Resurrection Sunday? The same power that God used, invoked to raise Jesus from the dead, our Savior, is the same power that He's entrusted the church with. It's the same power. It's the same power. That's hard to wrap your head around. You know, you can't wrap your head around that. This is what's available to us. You know, the Word of God will change your life. But you have to look through the storm that you're in right now and find the answer in the word. Let me read that again. The word of God will change your life. But you have to look through the storm that you're in right now and find the answer in the word of God. You have to look what you're going through right now to the word of God and find the answer. The world that we're called to is not looking for an ordinary God. But a God that is a miracle-working God. Because they don't have any other answer. We don't need more doctrine. We need an awakening to a God that is a supernatural God. And I'm not saying there's not anything wrong, there's, you know, there's, there's good doctrine. You know, I'm not saying, you know, and a doctrine is, is, is a standard that you, you believe. Okay? That's, that's what a doctrine is. But we don't need any more doctrine. We, we know what the Word of God says. We just need an awakening to a God that is a supernatural God. The world is not looking for a, for an ordinary church. But a church that is filled with ordinary people empowered by an extraordinary miracle working God. God is not, you know, people aren't looking for an ordinary church. We ought to be an extraordinary church. One where, where God is alive, that he meets the needs of the people, And you can come with an expectation that God is who he said he was, and he'll do what he said he will do. Amen. glory to God you know but that that comes with with spending time and 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 selling out to God. It comes with a More than a low commitment level relationship, you know, a low commitment level relationship won't get us where we need to be as a church, as as, as individuals. It just, you know, just don't work that way. You know, I you know I can remember. Um, I think it's Mark chapter five, about verse twenty-eight. The the woman with the issue of blood. You know, she'd been sick for a long time. She went to the doctors and and things weren't looking any better. You know, they were just getting worse. And she'd heard about Jesus. And I'm sure she heard about him more than once. And, and she said, he said, if I can just get to Jesus and touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. What was her expectation? If I can just grab a hold of Jesus' prayer cloth or the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. Hallelujah. And what happened? You know, against all odds, against, you know, she she even went against the law. Because it was against the law for somebody in her condition to be out in public. But she said, to heck with that. You know, if if they sent, sentence me to death, so be it. I'm going to die if I don't. But she made a commitment and said this, but if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And when she did, she was made whole. I can rem- you remember back in First in Samuel chapter 17, you know, the account of, of David and Goliath. You know, Goliath was nine foot tall. He he had been trained as as a, uh, a warrior from his youth. He was a mean dude. And, you know, David had got done taking care of the sheep that day and he went to his father and his father said, well, go up and see how your brothers are doing at battle, you know, and take him some bread and cheese and, and, uh, you know, see, see how things are going on. He got up there and they were shaking in their boots because of Goliath. You know, they didn't know what to do. They, they were afraid. And David had spent, spent his life in the, in the presence of God. He knew who his God was. And he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that, that he should defile the armies of the living God? You know, who is this guy? He, he doesn't have a covenant with God. You know, what, what, what's the deal here? And, and you guys know the rest of the story. You know, he, he took five small stones. He, he went out and he confronted, he confronted Goliath and he says, today, buddy, today is your last day because I'm going to cut your head off and feed your carcass to the to the fowls of the air. What was his expectation? His expectation was victory. You know, how, how did he get to that point? You know, how, how did he get to that point? He got there by spending time in the word of God, knowing who he was. And what the Word of God said that he was that he had a covenant with with God, and God was bigger than Goliath, you know in mark chapter eleven, I think it's about uh, maybe verse fourteen mark eleven. 14, it talks about, you know, Jesus was was on his way to the temple and, and he saw the fig tree and the fig tree, uh, you know, was had leaves on it and it should have had figs on it, but it didn't have figs on it. And, and he cursed the fig tree. You know, he said, you know, nobody's going to eat figs of you hereafter. You know, there's a lesson in that and it is it's not it, it wasn't a lesson on on how to curse fig trees you know it, it wasn't you know it it wasn't that it was a, it was a lesson on how to to activate your faith you activate your faith by saying you speaking to the to the mountain or the to the obstacle in front of you he spoke faith to the fig tree, and the fig tree dried up. If the praise and worship team wants to come up, you know, this morning, God doesn't know us anything because He gives us everything. God doesn't owe us anything this morning because he has already given us everything. And, you know, I, can, I know that, that a lot of you out there are saying, well, you know, what happened to my portion? Because, you know, I have a lot of needs this morning. You know, it, it may be that, that, that you need healing in your body. You know, I, I don't know. It may be that, that you need peace in your mind. That, that you've been tormented by whatever. You fill in the blank. But God has provided that for us. God doesn't know us anything because he has given us everything. And and the reason that we may not be walking in that in that fullness of God is because we've let Satan steal it before it gets to us. In John ten ten, it says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus has come so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. Your our expectation level. Needs to be here. Needs to be here, not here. You remember when the two disciples were on, walking on the way to Emmaus and, and, you know, Jesus showed up and was walking, walking along with them and he said, you know, what's going on guys? You know, what, what do you, what have you been talked about? And it says they looked down. They looked down because they were they were dismayed. You know, they were without hope. You know, they thought that their king was dead. And Jesus started to expound in the Word of God. And, and, you know, when they invited him in, you know, he, was re- he revealed himself to them. And they said, It's true. He is alive. Well, I'm telling you this morning, it's true He is alive. It's true He is alive. It's true that He is your healer. It's true that He is your deliverer. It's true that He is more than enough for any situation that you have. It's true, if you're, if you're missing body parts, it's true, He is your restorer. It's true that He is your peace. It's true that He hasn't given you the spirit of fear. It's true. I'm telling you this morning, it is true. What's your expectation? This, this is just, you know, don't, don't come to church and expect the usual because that's just what you'll get is the usual. We need to be expecting the unusual manifestation of our Father God. If you look in Mark chapter 16 verse, starting with verse 15, it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel and these signs shall follow them that believe. These signs shall follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. That's who we are, church. Glory to God. Paula, do you want to come up and, and share what... Uh, Happened here a couple of weeks ago. We've got a... I, I want to come, come up here. I forgot we need to get on camera.
1: When Jim asked me, um, he came up and asked me if... Um, I remembered when I told him it was the Wednesday night that Jeremy had spoken, and it wasn't particularly what Jeremy said... The praise was just fantastic that night, uh, as it usually is, <laughs> And um, but I just, God was here, and I, that's one of the things I like about us, is that God, whenever I walk in, God is here, I know he's here, Amen. but he walks with us, if we've accepted Christ as our Savior, then the Holy Spirit is with us, at all times. Well, we were singing the praise song, and it was toward, I don't really remember if it was the last one we sang, I don't remember the song. But, I just wanted to raise my hands to the Lord. Uh, and so I did, and I raised my hands to the Lord, and that's as far as, that's just, To some extent, that's just me. But I'd been having trouble for I don't know how long, and I'm not a teenager anymore, so why, that's, that's normal. You know, why, what a silly thing to ask about. But I thought, well, why should I let the devil keep me from praising the Lord with my hands where I want them. Whether I want them as high or as low. If this is what I want to do, fine. There is nothing wrong with that. But if I want to raise my arm straight up to the Lord and give him all of the praise and the glory, why not? And the truth of the matter was, I always stopped here because that's where my arm hurt. And I just decided, okay, enough is enough. God is the same Yesterday, today, and forever. And another one of my favorite verses is Second Corinthians four, eighteen. And I was going to read my Bible because I thought my mind would go blank, and I thought, nope, that's not the God I serve. And but we do not look at things which we can see. Because we know that things which we see are temporary. But the things that we don't see, the things we have no, we think, well, and in reality, we have no power other than what God gives us over anything. But in reality, it's what we can't see that is eternal. And that is probably in my words, but that is God in Second Corinthians four eighteen. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's not because of what scriptures I know or don't know. It is everything, every prayer he answers, and he says, pray all the time. Oh, I love to hear the birds sing in the morning. Thank you, God. It's not hard. And It's just a matter of giving it to God, expecting it, and thanking him because he loves you, each and every one of you. If he'll do it for me, he will do it for anyone because it's his love, mercy, and grace. He can't do it otherwise because he is love it's his character it's who he is praise the lord
0: the arm that wouldn't work at the end of the service was working amen because she had an expectation that her God could meet that need. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, God can meet any need that you have. This morning. Have you come expecting God to move on your behalf this morning? Amen? God has already done all that He's going to do for you. He's already provided everything. We just need to put ourselves in a position of receiving from Him this morning. Amen. As the praise and worship team uh, play their closing song here. If you have a need this morning. I would invite you to come come to the altar. I'd, I'd be happy to pray with you. Uh, and if we have several to come up. Gary and and, and Paula can pray with you too.